Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Harrow inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, and it's just getting bigger from the Little League World Series all the way up to the Premier League and everything in between. We've got to then deal with and analyze the deal-making issues of the week. Three to one. Three. Fantasy sports app ASX Sports selects Aventus Network as its blockchain provider. The Aventus Network enables ASX to track transaction activity and add new NFT collectibles to its fantasy sports platform. Aventus Network's blockchain connected to Ethereum and will enhance ASX anti-money laundering efforts on its fantasy sports product. The based company in Miami founded by Patty Power, whose father, David Power, co-founder of the Patty Power betting exchange that David named after his son and later merged to become Flutter Entertainment, the Irish gambling giant that owns FanDuel, SkyBet, and FoxBet. Last year, ASX signed a long-term deal with Sky New Zealand's global streaming service, Rugby Pass, to bring NFT-enabled fantasy gaming to rugby fans. ASX brand itself as Stocks for Sports. Its app lets users partake in live in-game trading of players and teams for their fantasy contests. Currently, blockchain is rolling out much like the Internet, where siloed pockets of value need to be connected together to allow an explosion of value through the network's effect. This partnership allows ASX Sports to leverage all the benefits of Aventus Network inoperability while maintaining full control of its users and access points, the best of both worlds, Aventus founder Alan Vey said in a statement. Two. FC Barcelona sells a second stake in Barca Studios to Orpheus, Orpheus Media, Web3 to become the main focus. The financially troubled La Liga powerhouse has sold a second stake in the digital subsidiary, and the previous one from Socios been worth about 25% equity for 100 million euros, about 103 million dollars uh, in ensuring that the soccer franchise maintains majority control, 51%. Orpheus, run by Jomi Rores, the CEO of Spanish media giant MediaPro, holds media rights for La Liga matches, and Barca previously sold a stake of their broadcast rights to U.S. investment firm Sixth Street. Barca is certainly selling off dozens of assets in their brand so they can register their new summer signings. The club dripped, obviously, in financial turmoil. One. The Steelers become the fifth NFL team to add Evolve's A1-powered security screening to their stadium, the fifth NFL stadium to install Evolve. Fans walk through weapons detection systems at entry gates, but they're not asked to remove any items from clear bags or pockets due to the computer vision recognition and sensor technology, significantly reducing long lines to enter a venue. Evolve debuted at the stadium for Saturday's preseason game against the Seahawks. The other four NFL teams confirmed to have Evolve at their home stadiums, Falcons, Patriots, Browns, Titans. Also deployed at MLB parks like Wrigley Field, 
City Field and Columbus Cruise Lower.com Field in the MLS. Peyton Manning, Bill Gates, among those investing in Evolve, which publicly listed on the NASDAQ, made more than $9 million in revenue in the second quarter, but ended the period with a net loss of about $26 million. That revenue figure marked a 94% increase over the same quarter in 2021. Massachusetts headquartered Evolve also operates its security system in New York venues such as the Lincoln Center, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and the American Museum of Natural History. Obviously, watch that company, deal-making issue number one. We focus on the football stadiums because now we're all things football. We're in the middle of preseason games, which are a right of fall. We've cut from four to three. People still go. Most people have no choice as they're included in the season ticket package, but people want to see the guys anyway, even if they're the 80 to 60 players who won't be around come September. But that's the magic of the NFL. Rich McKay, president of the Atlanta Falcons, was with the Bucks from 94 to 2003. Following the footsteps of his dad, he was one of the architects of the Bucks in Super Bowl 37, Raymond James Stadium in the 1998 referendum. From a football side, 41 Pro Bowl selections and on and on. 2004 GM of the Atlanta Falcons, president and CEO, 2011. 30 years in the NFL, six teams made the NFL playoffs. Mercedes-Benz $1.2 billion stadium opening in August of 2017, and on and on. NFL Management Council has a lot to say as the chair of the competition committee. Parity, gambling, international, so many things we're hearing from Rich McKay. Here he is now. Tampa Jesuit High School, Stetson Law School, Princeton sandwiched in between there. Yeah. A Tampa guy, I guess yes. your dad as well, etc. But yes. so you effectively learned your chops with the Bucks. Yeah, I did. I did. In the football side, I did. So I'm a I'm a you know lawyer by yeah, trade. Right. Kind of went in to be a lawyer. Got hired by the owner of the Bucks to kind of do legal work. So I learned the business through that legal work then went to work for the team, and that's where I got into sports. It's interesting. Now, a lot of us who went to law school and we spent our 10 or 15 minutes realizing we didn't want to be in a law firm, yeah. how long did it take you? No, I, you know, I, I clerked for a federal judge for two yeah. years, best two years, professional years of my life. Yeah. It was just fantastic. Judge Hodges, fantastic federal judge. Then I spent six years, and I really liked it because we started a firm. There were eight of us, and now it's a big old firm in, in, uh, in Tampa. And that was fun, but as the firm got bigger, the more I became comfortable that that probably wasn't what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I know, just as a parenthetical, we'll get to football in a minute, but we're all of the age where we've had our friends be the managing partners of respective law firms. And those that decided not to jump off of buildings have said, I don't ever want to do it again. (laughs) Well, the managing general partner of my old firm was the only associate we were the two associates yeah. when we started the firm, so it's uh, you know it's crazy how that firm is uh, hung in there and done really well. But but for me, I moved out after about six years. Well, the timing was right because from '94 to 2003, a lot of stuff happened in Tampa, right? Yeah. And so, not the least of which was Super Bowl 37. What's the memory of that? Yeah, I think the memory of that starts, Rick, for me with uh, with '97, right? Because '97 yeah. for the franchise was the big turning point. We yeah. hired Tony Dungy in '96. 
the franchise hadn't been bad because it, it was worse than that. Um, <laughs> gone, gone 10 years in a row, losing 10 or more games every year. Uh, but in 96, there was something to that season. And then in 97, we won the division, went to the playoffs, won a playoff game, closed the stadium. We're getting ready to open a new stadium in 98. I kind of think we knew, all knew we were on our way then. Yeah. I think what the Super Bowl was was the door shut to say, okay, we did it. That's not the way you should feel. You should no. keep it. But it felt like, boy, we accomplished what we set out to accomplish, which was way back in 94 for me um, when I became GM. But I just felt like the big year for us was 97. Tony kind of turned the tide. The town completely changed from a town that really didn't like its football team to a town that was loving its football team. And that was a fun time to be there. When you were working around your dad, and we'll talk about that a little later too, but when did you believe that the GM duties were important, but there was so much more that you were able to do around a football team? Yeah, I, you know, it's so for me as a lawyer, I was on the outside doing everything, and, and football teams in those days were small businesses. They weren't big businesses. Right. You know, the, the sponsorship deals were $200,000. They weren't $5 million. And, and so I was nibble around all those edges. I really didn't pay much attention to the football side of it. Um, I knew football, but I didn't pay attention to it. But then as soon as I got to the team in 92, my first two years were contracts, you know, doing negotiating with agents like Lee Steinberg, doing mm -hmm. that kind of work and learning the football side. And what I was very you know, fortunate to have is Jerry Angelo, who became a GM yeah. in the league, Tim Ruskell, who became a GM in the league. They both kind of taught me all the, all the things that were in scouting. So by 94, I was fully immersed in the football side of it. Um, my dad would come uh, every day to the office uh, during the week on his way to golf, you know, smoke a cigar, <laughs> spend an hour, and it was the best hour of my day. Are day. you supposed to reveal that, wasn't he a, no, he went full-time at the time, but he, that's a brain trust. No, that's no, he, he, was, he, was, he was retired <laughs> yeah, at the time, done. so he, was, he would just come by, he'd have a cigar, and then, he would, uh, then he'd go play golf. And then my assistant, um, Jill Hobbs, God rest her soul, passed away last year. Jill, we had, to, we had a no smoking policy, so Jill was quick to tell me, you know, are you going to tell your dad he can't no. smoke in here? I said, no, no, no. no. are you? No. Yeah, no, she didn't either. No. <laughs> Interesting. I will talk about your dad again in, in a minute, but uh, what, a, what a legacy to follow. Uh, would he have been happy when the Lions went 0-16, so he, the original Tampa Bay Buccaneers 0-14, wouldn't you have You know, Rick, it's funny about the 0-14, the 0-26 is what really what oh, we yeah, got that's to, right, right. is I'm not sure he got all concerned about if anybody's going to break that record. I, I, I'm not. He knew the, the cards we were dealt. Look, you looked down at that hand and said, "That's a bad hand." Yeah. And uh, and he he knew it, figured it out after one year one. It wasn't bothered by it, and I think took pride in the fact that we got it turned around and got right. in the right place. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, the, the, the legacy of your dad is an incredible football operations guy, but the line of our life about uh, how do you feel about your team's execution, I'm all for it. How yeah. many times have we heard that, even butchered recently? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> I think Brian Kelly brought yeah. up this year. Yeah, yes, yeah. It, it was, the beauty of it is it was the first line of the press conference, so that kind of set the tone of the press conference. Do you think in retrospect that was set or was that impromptu? No, totally. He's an impromptu guy. Yeah. No, absolutely yeah. not. Not He's an impromptu guy. He's, you know... His best trait was how smart he was. Yeah, so, of you know, he was a very smart guy. So, he, no, he, he created that one on his own. 
Was it fun evaluating players? You had 41 guys under your world as Pro Bowl selections. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, it, the fun part to me was I tried to be the general. I didn't try to be the guys doing the scouting. I didn't try to be super scout. I never went into the room and said, hey, I know better than you. I did try to take all the information given and make sure we made a good decision that was in our best interest. We made a simple change, Rick, which I still to this day wish more teams did, which is we said, hey, we're, we're not drafting anybody that potentially might be great anymore. Let's just draft good players. Uh, so that so, sounds so simple, it, but it doesn't happen it, all the time. It does. It just yeah. you get you get people in there saying this guy can really run, this guy can really jump, this guy can really do this. You know, and we came to the same thing in Atlanta a couple years ago. We were going on a couple defensive backs. One of them was just a really good player, and one of them was potentially a great player. Well, we, we took the really good player, and he's a really good player. Ladies and gentlemen, as a Dolphin guy, and I grew up on that side of the state. I was, we were, whoa, were we hoping that you would pass on Pitts. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it didn't happen, right? Pretty good player, yeah. Pretty good player. Arthur Smith and, and yeah. uh, Terry Fonda, that's good, pretty good player. That's easy scouting now. No, that's easy that's scouting because you're not going to like a, like a, a, an all-pro left guard yeah. who's going to be around for 25 years. That makes your job a lot easier yeah. if you find him. So you become, you become president and CEO in 2011. Uh, what, what surprised you about the transition? Anything? The size of the business and the, um, the change in the business, like, right? So I did the stadium deal in Tampa in 96, I think we right. did it with the Glazers. Um, and it was a big deal. It's a $190 million stadium. <clears throat> you know, it was, it was a complicated political transaction, but let's not say it was that complicated. I think when I got in 11 and Arthur started telling me, hey, you know, our number one task here is to get a new stadium. Um, Boy, oh boy, was it more complicated. First of all, much bigger. You know, it's a $2 billion uh, building and much more complicated. So I think uh, that was different for me. Um, what I was hard for me was not waking up every day and worrying about football, but waking up every day and worrying about a lot of people that I hadn't really dealt with before no. on the ticket side, on the sponsorship side and all that, and making sure you're, you're actually present for them and trying to motivate them. And, so it was, it was a challenge. It was different. Uh, I've liked it a lot. It certainly extends your career. If you want to stay and live in that football world, it's going to get shorter. Yeah. It's just the nature of the business. Yeah. So it's been great for me. Well, and the difference maybe I know there are a lot of differences there, where when you woke up in Atlanta and Mr. Blank said, you got to get a stadium, and you have to find $1.2 billion in Tampa. It was important. You had to find $300 million, $400 million, Yeah, and you did, Rick. And yeah. the problem with the Tampa one was that if we don't win the vote, yeah. The team's moving. Yeah. And that's really hard. I, I yeah. lived in, I grew up yeah. in Tampa. I remember. You know, that's my home. So that was a very, we only won the vote 51% to yeah. 49%. And it was a long day waiting for that vote. Community investment referendum. I remember we were all yeah. helping with uh, the Selman co-chair right. and dollars for education, dollars for transportation. Yeah. The one interesting concept on a relative basis, you are the extension of the owner and you hold the team as part in public trust for a community. After the Culver House sale and the Glazer inheritance, I remember some of those first polls. Oh. A lot of work to do, wasn't <laughs> it? <laughs> Not so positive, no. And, you know, that's why I, I give the credit to some of the politicians that helped us frame the community investment tax yeah. because we could say at the press conference, hey, behind us yeah. are the beneficiaries. These are the police, right. fire, education, roads. Right. I mean, we, we did it in, a, I thought, a pretty savvy way, yeah. but it was still very, very confrontational. Well, and, and for those of us who... Uh, fooled people for a living on how to do public-private partnerships. The whole bundling of infrastructure is the way to go, was the way to go, and frankly, maybe the only way you can get large capital projects like this done. It worked 
extremely well. Yeah. We went to Atlanta and used a different part of the playbook, but a similar, which is we just went and used the hotel motel right. tax. And we, it, it was the same tax that had built the dome. So we just said, hey, just let us continue that. So we had a strategy. That strategy, the Tampa strategy, was, I thought, very well thought out and turned out well. But boy, oh boy, it wasn't like we won in a landslide. It's August 26, 2017. Uh, it opens. You are the only human in history that was a point person on two successful yeah. stadium negotiations. How do you feel? Hence uh, my uh, hair. Yeah. My hair. <laughs> he yeah, used it, to have hair, yeah. ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Not, do, not doing it again. No. Those are yeah, I know. a great project. I'm very fortunate to do it. It goes back to almost a, a teaching lesson, which yeah. is that idea when I was a young lawyer representing the team, Mr. Carverhouse asked me, hey, would you help me renegotiate the lease at Tampa Stadium? And I'm like, you know, I don't do leases. Mm -hmm. I, you want me to get yeah. a guy in my firm? He said, no, I no, want you to want learn you to, it. Yeah. And so I did it, and that led to me doing two stadium deals. Right. And I would tell every young person, you know, when somebody asks you something, just say yes and just realize, you know, being more valuable is probably – that leads to success as opposed to asking how am I going to be successful. Yeah, and, and uh, you're humble because you did successfully do both of them. And, you know, you, you can get in and out of those processes like I do, but there's only room in life for one, maybe two of those before they kill you. Yeah, they you do. Know, they're they, legacy they, There are a lot of people – yeah, there's a lot of people that make it successful, and as you know, there's a lot of people yeah. pulling the other way that don't want yeah. it to succeed. So yeah. they're, they're tough transactions. All right, so let's talk post-pandemic. Uh, the last two years have been very difficult. Your contribution in my book was wonderful. Fan engagement, fan engagement, fan engagement, the example of the concession prices at Mercedes-Benz an example. What have you learned most about emerging from the pandemic and be successful now? I think... 2020, you can't consider, Rick. Yeah. You didn't learn much, okay? Right. It, was, it was survival. We didn't have fans. When we had fans, we had 3,500 fans. Yeah. So what is what that is really it? about? Um, I think in 2021, we learned the same thing that we learned back when I first went to work for Arthur Blank, which was if you just truly listen and then respond to the customer, you'll be fine. The customers are changing. They're asking for more. They're they're much more willing to come to six games. They're not going to come necessarily to 10 anymore. That's not what they do. There's this thing called the secondary ticket market. Instead of fighting it and complaining Listen. about it, embrace yeah. it. Give them value. We added value to them this year. Our ticket guys did a great job. We told our fans, you sign up for a road game, we'll pay for the tickets. We'll send you to a road game, okay? Oh. You want to go, and then you, you got to get yourself there. We had all these fans take advantage of it. So you add benefits because – What's coming today is with the cost of the tickets and the cost of what we're asking our fans from a PSL or a ticket standpoint, you better give them more than just showing up at the game. Was that your idea? Hell of an idea. No, it was a good idea. It was our ticket people's <laughs> idea. But I, it was a heck of a budget idea. Yeah. We looked at it and went, ooh, it's a little expensive. Yeah. But wow. I like it because yeah. what it did is it, it motivated your most loyal fans yeah. to say, I'm going. And they yeah. went. Yeah. And, um, and when, you, when you went to the venues, we would actually have – parties the night before and so it's really it's a great way to create really loyal fans and it was uh, and a little noise in the, in the visiting stadium which is never bad never bad so all right uh well, let's let's do a couple nfl uh, issues generally so you've been the chair of the competition committee for 93 years it's it a long like, yeah, 24 <laughs> years 24, 24 yeah, years yeah, so you're always at the cutting edge it just generally the stuff that makes it to even the preseason games, yeah. out of that, what is the universe of, of uh, 
ideas. Yeah. I mean, it depends like one on out of 100. Yeah, Rick, it depends on the year. But for rules and everything else, remember, you got fans. They yeah. absolutely bring them to the table. you got broadcasters because they are the experts. Just ask them. Yeah, right. you, you got players. you got yeah. coaches. you got officials. Right. Then you've got college and that same set. Yeah. So all the ideas are coming from there. Uh, I think what we take the most pride in and what I learned from George Young, George Young, you know, truly yeah. a, a giant, um, right. truly. Uh, but yeah, George used to ways. say a couple right. things. Number one, he said, don't ever go into a meeting with your logo on. He didn't mean it in actuality. He no, meant but, it but in, in mentally. Right. And, and that was a great yeah. way for us. And then the second thing is there's a process. Slow down. Yeah. Okay. So if you decide that we should make first downs 11 yards right. before you do anything, just take your time. It may take three years for you to figure out if that's a good move or a bad move, and don't get anxious about trying to make the change. I think that's really served us well. Are we going to see a fourth and 15? We go for it. We keep the ball. Yeah, you're going to see it talked about again this year. You'll yeah. see it all. I it's mean, not, all yeah. those, and I think all that is good. It took us, I mean, it took us four or five years to get the extra point move back yeah. when we had all the data saying, listen, yeah. they're making 99%. Why That's don't we right. move it back and make it more exciting so yeah. people just don't leave on the extra point? But it takes time, and those things have to marinate, and that's okay. Who is in charge of the marination? Uh, we are. I would say the committee is in that we, we are in one sense. We are in the sense of we're constantly looking at, at one thing when it comes to rules, which is do we have 24 votes? Or do we not have 24 there votes? Because nothing gets passed without it. So yeah. you got 32 teams, 24 votes to pass something. So in our mind, if we're going to marinate and find out we've got 18 teams, yeah. what we're going to do that year is we're going to talk about it. We're going to show the statistics why. We're going to show tape at the, at the meeting. And then we're going to say, we're not going to vote on this. Yeah. We'll vote on this next year. And that's how we kind of try to make the process work for us. This is the Nancy Pelosi of the oh, NFL. Oh, my, don't bring that. No, no. <laughs> Sorry. Because in the end of the day, the great thing is is our commissioner, the great thing that, that Roger and, and um, uh, Commissioner uh, Tagliabue before him yeah. are great at is when you turn to him and say, hey, we're at 21. Yeah. Any chance you can help us with the three? He'll, and he'll, he'll, he'll find the three. Yes, he will. Yes, he, yes, he, will. he will. He'll find the three. Let's talk about gambling. Uh, it's not competition committee related, yeah. but it's your world. Uh, uh, surprised how quickly? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Yes. And yeah. Yes. And yes. And, yes. and where's I, it? How, I can't. Yeah. I can't describe for you how surprised I am because I grew up in it, where literally we were always scared of it. Yeah. It was always behind that door over there, and we were nervous about what's the impact to us. And, and by the way, remember when we were talking about stadiums respectively, and it's like. Oh, how about this casino sponsorship? Get out. What are you talking about? No right? chance. No lottery. Chance. Yeah, lottery. Couldn't have a lottery. <laughs> right. yeah, Couldn't yeah. Have, I mean, yeah. even a lottery that was going to scholarships. Yeah, that's um, right. So, no, it's a big change. I, I think it's one that once you actually looked at it, what it was, which was, and there's some great stats, but like in Georgia, we have this stat where there's like, they, they estimated over two and a half, two to two and a half billion dollars bet a year by Georgians illegally. Yeah. So, so, so why aren't we legalizing that and trying to regulate it and trying to, as opposed to having it bet offshore? It makes no sense. So to me, the shift was, was uh, should have happened probably sooner, but it makes sense to me. And then the other thing was we took Europe's experience, which was Europe's done such a great job of regulating to make sure that they don't have the problems of integrity. Yeah. And I think the league has you know, said, listen, if we don't lead with integrity, we're not doing this. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm fine with where it is. I do believe there'll be some changes as we go down the path on injury reporting and everybody wanting more information, but I, we can deal with all that. Changes, uh, positive more, relative trans, to transparency. More transparency, that's correct. Yeah. But, but that, you know, because we do have a game in which, you know, 
there's a little gamesmanship going on, right? Oh, yeah. you know, Rick, Rick's yeah. knees yeah. hurt. Maybe it isn't me. But but when you get to gambling, there's going to be a more requirement of, hey, sure. we need to know. People. So I do believe yeah. those will be subtle changes. Yeah. I think otherwise, it's actually been come into our game and not had the impact I, I thought it might. How soon before betting happens in most or all facilities? It's a great question. I, I think it depends. The states, there's plenty of states that don't allow I any don't, form of casino. Yeah. So that, that's going to Come be back a, next year. We'll yeah, see. That's a, yeah. So, and then when you look at the idea that, quite frankly, we all live in our phones today. Yeah. We just turned ours down yeah, right yeah, for yeah, this. Yeah. So I think mobile sports gambling, when they're sitting in the stadium, they're, they're betting the stadium anyhow. Yeah. They don't need a room anymore that says, here's, here's the room, yeah. right? Yeah. They, they've got a room. They're sitting there doing yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, so we don't know. The answer we, is uh, whatever to capture the most revenue for the most people and do it with integrity is, is going to happen. Integrity, you've got to pay attention to the fact that everybody's got to know at the end of the game, the game was played the way it's supposed to be played. Great way to end on your dad. Uh, you know, your brother's obviously there's a McKay legacy. But if I asked you what you learned from your dad, we don't have enough time. But but kind of tell us tell us what you what you think. Yeah, I think I've, what I'm most proud of my dad was was always the fact that he was a big thinker, not a small thinker. He never tried to solve something just to solve it right then, right now, and, and, and in this narrow window. He always said, let's make sure we know all the implications. Let's make sure that if you make this decision, you know in a week from now, in a month from now, in a year from now, what the impact of that is. So to me, that's always helped me. I'm always quick to slow down. Because of him, I'm always quick to say, okay, it may feel better to have this the answer today, but is this answer going to be a problem in a week from now? So I always felt with him he was really good at that, and, and that, was, uh, that was something that we take pride in. And then, you know, I've got – so I'm here this week for a Super Bowl, and I've got my son is the director of pro for the Rams. So I will tell you that I can only – I always thought my dad enjoyed when I was a GM and he would come to games. I'm not sure he did because I think I'm more nervous as a parent – and he was more nervous as a parent than he was probably as a coach. As you're watching the game, will the cameras fix on you, kind of looking the other way no, and doing I will that? Not, I will not. I didn't take the uh, – they played Tampa in that divisional game, yeah, was right. it, right? Yeah. Not – you wouldn't want to be at the house. It wasn't, wasn't pretty. Yeah. I didn't do well at the house. Did I you didn't. text each other before the – Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Of sure. course you did. Always, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. dad. Yeah, I yeah, mean, why course, not? Of course you did. You're a great friend. You're a mentor in many ways. I think we're probably the same age, so you can't be a mentor, but certainly thank you for contributing to the book. Yeah. Your knowledge, really appreciate Happy it. Happy to do it, Rich. Thanks. Thank you very much. Rich McKay, as usual, gives us some incredible perspective as we head into the meat of the NFL preseason, and whatever that means. Let's talk about sports gaming, the Sports Gambling Minute. Major League Baseball announces support of online sports betting initiatives in California. The becoming their context, the first major sports league to take sides in the high-stake battle between bookmaking giants and the state's tribal gaming operators, the two primary sports betting initiatives on the November ballot. Prop 26 restricts betting to in-person only at tribal casinos and for horse tracks. Prop 27 will allow online sports betting, MLB backing 27, the California Solutions to Homeless and Mental Health Act, backed by a coalition of sportsbook operators, DraftKings FanDuel, percentage of the revenue from Prop 27 dedicated to fighting the homeless crisis in California. DraftKings and FanDuel among MLB's official betting partners in MLB, five franchises in California, and advocate of sports betting legislation since the Supreme Court in 2018 struck down the Pro and Amateur Sports Protection Act 